It's 20 years, recalls the Reverend, since we all topped the Allegheny Ridge together and stood looking out at the Ohio country, so fair, a revelation, meadowed to the horizon. Mason and Dixon and all the McLeans, Darby and Cope, no, Darby wouldn't have been there in 66, howbeit old Mr. Barnes and young Tom Hines, the rascal, don't know where they all went. Some fought in the war, some chose peace, come what might. Some profited, some lost everything. Some are gone to Kentucky, and some, as poor Mason, to dust. Twas not many years before the war, what we were doing out in that country together was brave, scientific beyond my understanding, and ultimately meaningless. We were putting a line straight through the heart of the wilderness, eight yards wide and due west, in order to separate two proprietorships granted when the world was yet feudal, and but eight years later to be nullified by the war for independence. Hello and welcome, I'm Douglas Bowles and this is 42 Minutes, a podcast about meaning from SyncBook Radio and distributed by thesyncbook.com. You can find our archives at 42minutes.com and you can reach us by sending a message to mail at 42minutes.com. You can also follow our tweets at Sync42 and at SyncBook. It's June 23rd, 2023, and we've taken our pension obsession back to the 60s for some rock and roll and B-flat minor, as well as for some surf music, by celebrating Mason and Dixon, our spring seasonal book club choice, published by Henry Holt and Company on Tax Day in 1997. Charles Mason and Jeremiah Dixon were the British surveyors best remembered for running the boundary between Pennsylvania and Maryland that we know today as the Mason-Dixon Line. Here is their story as reimagined by Thomas Pynchon, featuring Native Americans and frontier folk, ripped bodices, naval warfare, conspiracies, erotic and political, and major caffeine abuse. We follow the mismatched pair, one rollicking, the other depressive, one gothic, the other pre-romantic, from their first journey together to the Cape of Good Hope, to pre-revolutionary America, and back through the strange yet redemptive turns of fortune in their later lives. On a grand tour of the Enlightenment's dark hemisphere, as they observe and participate in the many opportunities for insanity presented them by the age of reason. Since I was 10, said Doc, I wanted you to take me and Willie to America. I kept hoping every birthday this would be the year. I knew next time you'd take us. Good evening, how you, how you chance doing tonight? Hey guys. Very good. good. Excellent, well, we haven't heard from you for a while, Alex. How yeah. did this how did this doorstop strike you? Oh, very very hard and in the face. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't get up. Uh, I didn't finish it. Um, what's your question exactly? <laughs> well, so um, you you mentioned that you had read this a little before and you you read not all of it necessarily um well like a few years ago it was uh i just went on a tear running through pension and uh, i kind of i hit this one and i intended and i that was where i kind of lost steam but i got about three three quarters of the way through it um and then this time 
even less because I haven't been able to really read much. So why am I here, you ask? Uh, just to hang out with you guys and talk about it anyway. Cool. It's, it's yes. still awesome. <laughs> well, so like oh, God. How, how I know. So this is not an easy book and a lot of it is the way it's written. Um, because it's written in kind of an 18th century style with strange punctuation and strange capitalization too, which is 18th century, I guess. Um, yeah, the capitalization is, it's written like, uh, like in a letter, like a, the, the, the revolutionary uh, era letters. It is difficult to follow a little bit too, because it's there's a lot of conversations going on and you're moving between uh the reverend telling the story you know in eight or 1786 about you know 1761 or, or 1763 you know so it's it's earlier and so it moves between the present and the past yeah well it's much like any pension novel gravity's rainbow it's just very not i mean it's not it's linear it's not non-linear but it's uh it's all over the the map in fact, Pun, it's in fact very linear. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's exactly right. What I see, Snor, I wanted you to read this years ago. I was just like, ah. Snor would love this. I'm always wanting to know what you thought. So, what did you think? And it's nice to talk to you again. Yeah, yeah, great to hear from you. Um, uh, yeah, it's gone up. It's. I, I was thinking just the other day. It's probably like one of my like top top fifteen top. 20 novels i guess no oh, yeah you know, it's great like you, I, yeah i love this is yeah cool i'm not surprised i mean it's it's immense it's yeah i used to think it was easier like i, I remember when i read it in 2014 or whatever i was like this isn't that bad and, you know you can read through it but then this time it seemed to be more dif more difficult and uh more oblique in its style but it's just totally pinching it's zany it's funny. Uh, it's it's full of song and lyricism and uh, conspiracy theory and all kinds of great stuff. Inanimate objects in conversation with each other. And I, I was kind of hoping for SJ. Be, I mean, because this is both astronomy and yeah. a fair amount of astrology right. too. Right. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. But I mean, this is this is not <laughs> this is a, a climb for sure. It is. It's a mountain. It's mountainous. Um, um, the uh, part of the difficulty too is, uh, um, yeah, the language took a while to get to to get used to. But you can get used to the language, yeah, pretty quickly, right? But then uh, it's just mysterious. This whole book you know it's mm -hmm. like it's 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 layer upon layer upon layer of weirdness and it gets it gets increasingly weirder as they as they go off into the western wilderness mm -hmm. see that's why i i mean i've died like i kind of agree with you you said like this is this is like one of the greatest works of literature of the century of our time like yeah i feel like yeah. it's funny I, I wanted to bring up that I remember reading that a Dave Foster Wallace like wrote to to Franzen at some point a letter that around the time Vineland came out, mm -hmm. and he was like read Vineland and he was like it feels like Pinchon's been sitting on the couch smoking weed for 
20 years since Gravity's Rainbow and he's watching <laughs> TV and that's like basically you know meanwhile he had been working on this for that entire time also finally came out like a year after Infinite Jest so um it's kind of an ironic thing because like this is just really it's kind of peak probably his greatest work yeah I, it's the greatest that I've read so far like I haven't read um Against the Day which I heard is pretty amazing as well but uh um, I can't even get 50 pages into that. but anyway <laughs> I'm, yeah. I need to reread Gravity's Rainbow to just get a a sense I know that most people would probably say that Gravity's Rainbow is his masterpiece but this one is just so much fun you know it's like a buddy road movie mm-hmm. where it's non-stop adventure and and it's just fun and then what I find is the more it's the kind of book that the more I spin with it, like once I get, uh, like I get a sense of what's happening, it's just a place that um, is familiar, and then I want to be there. Like it's mm-hmm. it's really like I can just drop mm-hmm. in anywhere, and it's like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, these are my friends. I know this space totally. It yeah, is. and that's that's sort of unlike Gravity's Rainbow. Like, uh, mm-hmm. um, the, like Gravity's Rainbow is really interesting, right? But uh, and and hilarious. Apart's time and of course really off the wall and berserk, but uh, but the characters are not as warm as these two, especially. Like this is like reading Don Quixote. Like that gets yeah. said a lot, but but uh, it's it's totally true. You know, it's like he, um, mm-hmm. such such amazing like uh, rapport between the two of them. You know, it's like uh, um, that both are just incredible characters. Well, so at the so I've been through this a few times now. Like I, I was, um, I kind of uh, was flirting with it last spring too, and and then it's like I we have to do this in the book club. But um, who do you imagine anyone in your mind when you're picturing these characters? Because the last last year I was really struggling to try and try and get a, a sense of who they were. But this time, you know, I think, I think I had it pretty dialed in. Yeah, give an example then, Doug. I don't, I'm not well, like, sure. like you like mean like an actor or, or like um... you do an actor or but so like <laughs> <laughs> just because of the rapport, I I was I started thinking of them as like me and Alan, and it's like no, that doesn't work. You know, <laughs> um, it would be more like me and Will. Like I, you know, that's how I was imagining. I would be more of a Mason, and and Will would be more of a Dixon type. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> well, to be honest, I uh, I have my I thought about it in my head as uh, comparing it to me, myself and my friend Sean in our uh, kind of dual uh, roles in in creating cryptocuberology. Um, which is a study of synchronicity. So it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, it's just sort of an exploration of the world uh, that they've kind of come together in this sort of Stephen, Stephen Daedalus, Leopold Bloom sort of synchronistic mm-hmm. manner to perform some kind of great work for reasons they don't even understand. And so it's, yeah, to, I, yeah, um, I wasn't going to bring that up, but I did anyway. So, so which one would you be? Oh. oh well, I have to think about that because, like, that's the thing. Like, I feel like I've I've been 
I spent so many hours, a certain amount of hours reading this, but I still feel like I'm not like deep enough into it to say um, exactly. Is there one of them that's like an older or are they the same age? Well, no. So that's interesting because I wanted to mention that. So the George Washington, like in this time, is about 30 and uh, Jeremiah Dixon Dixon is about 30. And then Mason is like five years older than Dixon. So they're like in their 30s. But Ben Franklin was about 60, too. So like that's another right. little thing to. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm not really sure. Sure. But um Totally. So, I mean, that's the <laughs> the the other interesting thing in the United States. Um, people were watching Ted Lasso, and so you could kind of see. So that's something that I started thinking about a little bit more. Is that um, that Dixon is a Geordie, like he's in Northern England, and so he's got the weird accent, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and so like on that on that soccer show, Ted Lasso. Jamie Tart is kind of a Geordie and that he his accents all wacky and then uh, uh, Roy Kent is more you know more uh, like you could do the same kind of thing with Roy Kent and Jamie Tart if, if listeners are more inclined to watch TV. <laughs> I have not gotten around to seeing that show. Yeah, no, so, it's 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 interesting. Uh, you compare it to. Um, like Don Quixote, like it's kind of um, it's kind of the opposite in in physical type, you know, because Dixon is the uh, tall, skinny guy. Which yes, corresponds more to Quixote, and then uh, the Sancho Panza type. He's more squat and with a big belly, and that's more like Mason. But the the characters are kind of opposite. Yeah. Mm. One's so, kind of a party guy, another's kind of a introvert. Yeah, um, Mason's all melancholy. Like that's yeah, his, that's his uh, character. Right, yeah, don't let me. But was he melancholic before his wife died, or do you think that's who he is? Well, he always had that problem with his father, right? Um, yeah. Like his his dream was to become an astronomer, and his father thought that was all nonsense, and uh, and uh, basically wanted him to become a a baker like he was um so there's always this conflict with his father so i I had the sense that that that's kind of the ultimate um root of his melancholy you know yeah i just want to point out that um i was just looking at jeremiah dixon's wiki page and noticed that the date of the transit of venus that they observed um and that date is june 6 1761 yeah. And I just happen to remember that Carl Jung died on June 6, 1961, which would be the 200th anniversary of that. Which is, wow. Ooh, that was Carl Jung. Because the book seems to be about synchronicity. I mean. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's some... Uh, the whole the whole question of the Venus transit is really interesting, right? Because that that's um, so there's that Venus transit, and of course it's eight years, right? And then the next one, like there's there's basically one. Uh, I forget how many hundreds, I guess 120 years or something like that, or um, 120 year cycle. But the next one is in the 1800s, so it's it's um 
it's um, 1882. I think that's the year when, oh, that is the year when uh, Joyce was born, right? Okay, yeah. That's the next one. And then, and then the one, and then after that is, is the one that we just had that ended in uh, 2012. Um, So that was really interesting. So like, I thought it was amazing that he used that even though they weren't together like for the second transit there was this really interesting symmetry to the book because of that you know yeah um but that made me think about our own transits and so like i definitely have a memory a memory of the 2004 transit of venus like i was working in a restaurant at that time and like we made a pinhole camera and we pointed uh, pointed the uh the light through you know and so you could see you could like I don't remember how I did it, whether we were pointing, like directing light at a wall or something to somehow see, you know, the black dot. But I remember that. Um, but that reminds me of the two astronomers in the in the nested tail who were seeing the eclipse through the leaves of the tree and realizing they screwed up. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> then I'm it's just, so- but I'm just reading about the. Um- the transit of Venus on 2012 was also um, June 5th and June 6th. Yeah, I saw that too. Which is which is bizarre. Yeah. I guess I mean. So that's a return transit, though. I guess, but I guess uh, well, not, well, it's like in a couple times it's the first week of December on a couple different occasions. So it seems like it's a re- repetitive sort of cycle. Uh it's it's either Capricorn or. Uh, it's either June or December. Yeah, right. it's actually in Gemini, right? Like that's that's one of the things. Right. Um, what masculine or how do you say his name, Doug? Do you know? Masculine. Yeah, masculine. Nigel masculine. He makes that point that uh, um, the two Mason and Dixon. One is born. Uh, his natal sign is the Sun, uh, and then a rule over by the Sun, and then the uh, the other is his natal sign is ruled over by Venus. And then they're they're looking at a conjunction of Venus and the Sun in Gemini, the twins, right? Uh, yeah. And then and then Mason just poo-poo's that and says it's like well, it's like what's that like one in 144? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> possibility. It's not a big coincidence, but no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. So that the other one was um, yeah. The first was December 1874th, and then the return was December 1882, which was when Joyce was born. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's a hundred and it's 105 year um, separation, 121 years, 105 years. Um, yeah, it's well, weird. Do you remember I remember 2012. I, do you remember it? I wrote a whole bunch of stuff about it on my blog at that time, right? Including including one. That was about the cheese wheels of time, which was uh, this big cheese wheel disaster that happened in Italy around the same time. And then somehow the numbers involved were all processional numbers. So I I thought it was I I thought it had some sort of um, something to do with the passing of the age. Right. But it was so weird when I read that book. And then, you you know, the the scene with the the cheese wheel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's how Mason met um, his future wife, Rebecca. Yeah. The world is not but a wheel of cheese. 
It is, yeah. Um. Yeah, so, I had to try and figure out why I had no memory of the uh, the transitive units from 2012, and it was because the weather. Like, there was a storm that came in, and so, like, I wouldn't have known that except we did a 42 minutes that day, and I listened to it, and it's like, oh, okay. Like, And I talked about the winds of change. So it, it was interesting because... It was like 2012 was that was a really strange year, but you know there was all this uh, there was things happening, you know. So like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, well, that that was one thing that came up, right? Like like people were saying like, what what is the astronomical significance of December 21st, um, 2012, which is the end of the Mayan calendar, right? And so right, um, and so people pinpointed it to the uh the conjunction of the uh the sun the the winter solstice sun rising um in conjunction with the center of the galaxy right which was a point that the mayans were really focused on but the thing about that is that it, there's a kind of um it's not only 2012 it's like a it's a period of maybe 20, i forget like 20 years or something um where where that conjunction happens on the on the solstice but then i i looked into it and it's only it's only uh, 2012 um, where it's a you have the transit of Venus as well happening that year, you know. So I thought, and 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 the Mayans were really obsessed with the cycles of Venus as well. So I I thought that's probably why, um, like astronomically, those two things um, go together. Like why it's 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 a conjunction of the. Uh, the winter solstice sun with the center of the galaxy, plus um, its return transit of Venus, and it only happens in 2012. Mm. Mm. That might take us off track, but... Well, I don't know. So, like, that was the thing. I read an essay where this... There's two things, according to this guy, that there's the, the the line, like we're thinking in terms of the line, but then there's also the mounds, you know, so like um, like these magnetic... Telluric stars. currents. Yeah. But so like it's, it's, and I think in his essay, he was talking about the difference between time as a straight line and then time as this eddy with... Um, Mason's missing eleven days, which yeah, captures <laughs> captures my imagination so much. Just this idea yeah. of moving through the world that's um, that's lost these eleven days, and of course it's it's eleven. And did you guys pick up on? Um, oh, and th- I'm going to have to reference uh, reality too. But uh, um, they left the United States on September 11th. Like, yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, I I just saw that looking through the notes today, and that and that I think that's what you're going to say is that that includes the eleven like the eleven missing days. That was 1752, I think, um, and it was a proclamation by the British Parliament, and and that it it was the eleven days between September second and it would be September fourteenth, which includes yeah September eleventh and yeah and my birthday and a bunch of weird things but uh no. so so it is um, so the, four, the 14th becomes the third you know thing. yeah yeah uh, i noticed that um that chapter that's chapter 19 and i 
have a special focus on the number 19 for a while. And But I also noticed that it's the 19th chapter and it starts on page 190. And actually the first 19 digits add up to 190. So I, I wonder if that's intentional on his part. Um, but I no, just, I no- yeah. Yeah, I, I, I was noticing that um, most of the chapters line up until the very end. Like it, it's it, like if you open the book and you're looking for like chapter or whatever, like chapter 20, check around um, page 200, you know. Right. And it's, yeah, it's it. A lot of them match up almost exactly. Like it's it's just hmm. off a bit, you know. Really? Um, Interesting. And, yeah. and, anyways, go keep going. Oh um, well, yeah. The just that whole story and that the story they tell about um, what's what the, he hires the Asian Asiatic pygmies that um, yeah. fill in the missing time and like they live colonize, it. colonize the yeah they colonize the, the it temporal plantation and right. like what a wacky idea but um, so like I don't know it, it's like you read it and you're like yeah that might that's true he has a way of like. Conveying these <laughs> these these absurdities, but like the speculations on, in this book on time and are all just so kind of cutting edge to me. Anyway, I mean they all go together. That's the thing I want to go back to this book and try to figure it out. It's like um, it's like the crying of Lot Forty Nine, where it all comes together as one big piece. You know, it's the same with this book. You know, he's 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 got this this massive idea behind it um like having to do with um like the difference like the obvious difference of of mapping out a uh, a straight line across the continent like across a virgin continent right yeah and then and then dr zhang comes out and says and says it's all like a like a vector of bad chi or sha um yeah, and and he's saying that we have to measure the land, like measure the, the 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 contours of the land. He says the dragon, right? So this is the the contrast between the dragon and the line, right? Uh, well, so now you just made me think about how like the Earth is kind of like the body, and the and the the sky is more of the mind, and so by like the in the Enlightenment became disembodied, like we were too connected with with you know the uh the intellect and we weren't mm. connected we weren't connected to the to the earth like we like that's kind of what um zhang was saying you know like you 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 disconnected from the dragon from our like power our source it's, it's sort of almost the inversion of gravity's rainbow where that's sort of like in terms of the relationship of the characters to the sky, because it's like they don't have rockets here. Like, but I guess <laughs> they have snowballs. <laughs> yeah, snowballs exactly. Or they do mention rocketry at one point. Well, he does it's, some flying, and they're they're also moving stones. You know, like mm-hmm. there's. Uh, I think it was his teacher Emerson had it. He was more yeah. of a wizard. He had some tricks, I think. Yeah, there's all this like kind of but the watch like Atlantean sort of high technology going on especially the way they treat like franklin and uh benjamin franklin and he's almost he comes across like he's a he's an alien or a time traveler or something he just is just uh otherworldly i suspect that having not finished it all that it 
kind of expands on that. But I yeah, he, that. Um, yeah, Franklin's amazing because that that all ties back to Zanoni. What we did last time too, like Franklin goes on to have a huge influence on the uh, French Revolution, like becomes mm. um, becomes the the grandmaster of the Seven Sisters Lodge in Paris, which is like a instrumental in the in the revolution right like so all the way through this is the most bizarre thing like all the way through this there's conspiracies and counter conspiracies like you always find a pension like but uh it's 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 like the the jesuits versus the freemasons right and the jesuits are like this kind of occult order occult secret police for catholic colonialism versus the Freemasons who are on the opposite side um, for Protestant colonialism, right? And uh, and you find that all over the place. Like I found that we traveled to Nagasaki um, last summer and there's traces of that, that this, this kind of battle between the Jesuits and the Freemasons all over the place in the history of Nagasaki, right? Um, um, including even the, the, the atomic bombing, like they... they uh, the atomic bombing, the the zero point was this huge um, Catholic cathedral that blew up. Um, oh wow! I didn't know that. Yeah, you know, and it the biggest cathedral in Asia at the time. Um, huh. But uh, but yeah, so you have you, I I, and this was a serious thing back then. Like it was a, it it wasn't Pynchon's not just making this up. It was like the serious. Still, um, it's serious now. <laughs> Well, what I mean is, is um, it's a, it's like uh, people were talking about these things, you know. Yeah, sure. People, no, yeah. People thought of these things as back, as back a, uh, as a reality, right? And sure. then all the way through the, uh, all the way through the uh, novel, there's, there's these hidden suspicions that Dixon was a Jesuit agent, and then uh, Mason was an agent of the uh, Royal Society, which is which is Freemasonic. It's it's actually Rosicrucian. Like um, Frances Yates points that out in her um, research that it's it's a the Royal Society was a direct offshoot of the Rosicrucians. Um, so so yeah, it it's bizarre. It's like the the time where it's set and um, this is a recurring thing too. They always say, isn't this the age of reason? Isn't this supposed to be the age of reason? And uh, so it's this weird kind of transitional period where um, all of these kind of like mystical or magical things are still there. And but um, people are trying slowly to suppress them. It hasn't got to the point where we're at now where where everybody's a materialist and only like um, only romantics try to get back. But we can't. it's it's just a, it's just a process of imagination for us. But at that time, people actually believed these things. Um, so it's kind of this uh, this weird weird split between the mechanical and the uh, and the mystical, right? Yeah. And I guess I don't know that line they're drawing is the midpoint. <laughs> yeah. The 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 talk about it being a uh, a cabalistic sign of text. Do you remember that part, Doug? Yeah, that was... Yeah, so, like, I think he was actually talking to Franklin then. You know, or, I, I mean, like, it was later in his life well, when was, he was talking about when he, a deist, 
look like the what did he say the pentateuch is the sky mm. you yeah yeah it was it and then there was that scene at the the rab the rabbi of prague like this kind of inn in the middle of nowhere right, right. where all these and, weird capitalists from from europe hung but out, including the, the golem was out there yeah the golem was there <laughs> and, and the uh and the main poet what's his name the poet of the pennsylvania oh uh Timothy Tim? talks. Yeah, Timothy, Timothy talks. He was there, and he's he's a complete lunatic, but believe a believer in the golem. Um, and so, yeah, they, then they start talking about the line across the land as a line of text, and they are sending this information back to the Royal Society, and the Royal Society is reading it kabbalistically. And then, and then there's the weirdest part of this is that. Um, North America becomes like this uh, kind of golemish thing that didn't exist before. It only exists with exploration. Um, well, that, well, that's like a kind of an obvious thing, but it was like it was it was the appearance of this this kind of hidden hidden land, um, this kind of paradise, basically. Dreams are a big part, and it's almost like America is dreamed into existence. Right. Right. I think America is also the it's the temporal plantation, like the real one in a way, like that's sort of like a landing zone um, where anything is sort of possible for types like Franklin, I think and, uh, these movers and shakers. <laughs> but then, like, it was just sorry. It's just it's amazing how he 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 takes the the present, our present, and imposes it on the past like with all with ketchup and pizza and <laughs> all this stuff it's like the whole modern world it's is there just in in larval form or something and yeah and a lot of it it comes from like like benjamin franklin and his inventions and these 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 weird weird folks that seem to know too much and what do they know and what's the game being played anyway well, I wanted to mention, so like commodities are a big deal all the way through it. And so it seems like he fetishizes like coffee and tobacco and pastries, you know, like there's just his description of all these amazing sweets all the time is just like fetishized. But then this creates this idea of how, to, you know, like the only way to live in a world where you have those commodities is through slavery and he also yeah. talks about how, you know, someone, what would it do, you know, for someone to to be all hopped up on all these substances and then heady in the in the taverns and, you know, ready to roll around and fight over your new beliefs that you're, you know, you're philosophizing in these in these coffee houses and stuff, you know, would it create a new consciousness, you know, basically mm -hmm. saying like, this is the birth of um, the American consciousness is, you know, being on tobacco and, <laughs> yeah. and, and tobacco, plum, coffee and yeah. plum rolls and, and sugar. Right. Yeah. 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 But there was yeah, a quote that he said, you know, like at that point in time, Mason said, we wish no one ill. We're middling folk. You know, our toil is as great as anyone's. And sometimes it helps to have a lick of molasses to look forward to, you know, it's like, you know, that's kind of Mason's response 
to this world where like it you want to participate in it but you don't want to necessarily feel complicit in i don't know you, you know that's the that's the trick right to yeah, be and, and then and then behind it all is is slavery right like that's um dixon points that out like what is the uh right what is there the was the big c yeah. What is the commonality of all so the places? It's long that we've sea been voyage, to, right? right? Yeah, long, long, long sea voyages and slavery. Yeah, uh, Cape Town, Santa Elena, um, and then and then and then the America. Well, and um, he said this is like you know it's kind of he says this is the last place we should see this. You know, like like this is the dream, and why is it here too? Yeah. But the, yeah, there's a direct quote earlier on about um, commerce equals slavery, right? Slavery equals commerce, uh, which is interesting, right? Yes. Because um, uh, it's basically yeah, what it was, like you're dealing with the, the East India Company. That's, that's sort of the, uh, the powerhouse behind all of this, you know? They're getting kind of money. Like the CIA the... They're getting money. Well, it's it's kind of like uh, like I don't know some massive corporation now it's like that Amazon funds, the, or even funds the CIA. You know, like like yeah, the, yeah. yeah. Um, and then Clive of India, India, who's the brother-in-law of uh, Musculine. Well, like a corporation yeah. took over a whole empire, or like the. I did a so little it, bit of looking into it, but like they weren't a very big company. It's like twenty people in in London running India. Mm. the british east east india company but yeah, yeah it's interesting that um <laughs> that's uh masculine's brother-in-law clive of fucking india you know it's the learned english dog in the background exactly um she doesn't talk <laughs> Well, maybe maybe she, she's like that that dog at the end. He doesn't. Like, the learned English dog comes back at the end and doesn't talk either, except for one sentence or something. So so maybe she's listening, but uh, she'll wait. Yeah, I guess we're not going to try to summarize this. We'll just go back and forth from bits of weirdness to the. <laughs> like, uh, there's other. If 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 anyone listens to this, there are other videos on YouTube that try to summarize what goes on. So, and you can actually read the Wikipedia page has a short summary for every chapter. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Which is actually very useful when you're reading it. You know, so like yeah. I I needed that. Like I needed uh, help with Ulysses actually. Yeah, it's a good um. You read you read a chapter and then you read the summary and then I would find out that there was things that I missed you know have to go back and read again. Well, like if you were, you know, I like this would be the book where you might want to read a chapter and then read the summary and then read the chapter again like all the way mm -hmm. through, mm -hmm. but that yeah. makes a very long book very very long. Well, it took 30 years to write, so yeah, probably take <laughs> 10 to to read. <laughs> but um, 
I wish I, I wish I had like a deeper uh, understanding of it uh, to go, but uh, I'm just kind of flipping through it, trying to look, remind myself. Well, we're almost we're almost done with our 42 minutes. Is there any any closing thoughts that anyone would like to make? Hmm. Time, you see, is the money of science, isn't it? The philosophers need a time, common to all, as traders do a common coinage. Suggesting as well an interest in those events which would occur in several parts of the globe at the same instant? Like in the book of Revelations? Like the transit of Venus, eh, Mr. Mason? Anyway... I did love that. The time is the money of science, right? I mean, come on. That's good. I I just read that again. Yeah, that's excellent. That's um, uh, it it makes so much sense, right? Like, so uh, yeah, we don't have enough time to get into this, but why are they why are they uh, um, trying to get the transit of Venus? Why are they interested in the transit of Venus? Oh, there's a great quote about that too in the Hollow Earth part. Yeah. But that was 42 Minutes. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. You've been listening to the 42 Minutes Seasonal Book Club, a production of SyncBook Radio on SyncBook.com. For more information about the SyncBook, our guests, check out past shows or subscribe to the podcast via iTunes. Please be sure and visit our website at thesyncbook.com. If you like this podcast, check out others. It's currently all the SyncBook radio archives are free. We also feature a great search engine to help you find what you need. Just type book club and all the links appear all this and more can be found at thesyncbook.com thanks so much and thus ends my restless progress in america <laughs>